Welcome to Beers, Business, and Balls, presented by House Enterprise. Join Will Tondo and Jake Zimmer every week as we dive into interviews with leaders in the craft beer, business news, and sports entertainment world. This podcast wouldn't be here without Spotify. Get to know Spotify for podcasters, the free all-in-one podcast platform for every creator. This tool allows you to publish shows to all major platforms and helps turn your passions into careers. To find out more, head over to podcasters.spotify.com. This episode is also brought to you by our friends at DraftKings. Get in on the action with DraftKings Sportsbook. New customers can make a $5 bet and score $150 in bonus bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and sign up with the code BBB for all wager incentives. That's code BBB only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Hope is here. Call 1-800-327-5050 or visit gamblinghelplinema.org if you have any issues. Play it smart from the start with GameSense. Now, here's our episode of Beers, Business, and Balls. Welcome to Beers, Business, and Balls, presented by House Enterprise, brought to you by Manscaped. Use the code HOUSE at checkout at manscaped.com. You can get 20% off your order. And by DraftKings Sportsbook. Code BBB gets you some bonus bets on the DraftKings Sportsbook, the number one way to bet with the Beers, Business, and Balls podcast. Uh, welcome in to episode 139. I can't believe we're saying this. We are talking fantasy because we're on the doorstep. Our draft is going to be pretty soon. I just did a couple of drafts. Uh, I did my my dynasty leagues rookie draft and our supplemental draft. We're making rule changes and all this shit. Fantasy is creeping up. We've got Mike Randall from FTN longtime friend of the program. Uh, finally coming back on to the pod to chat some fantasy. This was a good one. Um, I, I just can't believe we're here already. It's crazy. No football season is very, I mean, first college football show for us is tonight. Um, because I, you know, holy shit, first week of college football is this weekend. So not enough prep prep for that. I'm not in football mode yet. Um, I have no idea what we're going to do for our fantasy draft. I have two drafts this year and yeah, no, no idea. No idea. I, I really want to do a, maybe we'll do this next week on the show, uh, during balls is like, uh, new face or face old faces in new places and see like, mm. if we know, you know, who's like, I feel like the Patriots squad is such a random, like all name <laughs> team. It is. But like, I don't know if any of those guys are good anymore. Well, I mean, oh, we won't get into it today, but Juju, Mike Kosicki, Zeke Elliott, I think like, they're all are, good. Like, but see, that's like, I feel like that's recency bias. Like, I feel like that's, that's you acting like it's like 2017. Yeah. It's me being optimistic too, because I'm, like, I'm worried. Look, look at these kids, like Ezekiel Elliott, Juju Smith, and Mike Gesicki. Like that's a, that's a power trio. And I feel like no one's talking <laughs> about it. But Zeke, like, I just wrote a blog on this too. Like he's. People forget Zeke led the league in rushing two times. Like he was the NFL's leading rusher recently, like five, as recent as five years ago. Yeah, but that's this a is long, not a washed up dude. He's that's he's a actually long still time pretty good. Back years. I know, and that's something we get into with Mike Randall today too about 
And this is where I think a lot of people are going to screw this draft up. It's where, like, what's the running back threshold? Because I don't know anymore. I did not know. Mike gave a lot of good tips, though. There's a few guys on his radar that I'm not going to be vocal about because I don't want all of our house league to be prying at the same guys. But I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it's just one of those years, too. I feel like it's like there's going to be so many surprise teams this year. Just in ter- like, I don't know. There's some people that are saying, like, the Chiefs have regressed, and I, I just see them keep That's getting That's bullshit. <laughs> the Chiefs well, receivers, like, you can I'll point never- to the Chiefs receiving core, but they're always going to be good. And we yeah. talk about that with Mike, too. Like, last year, I mean, I I said – I didn't think the Chiefs were going to win it, but I was like, "There." I'm like, yeah, that's a competitive division. I don't think they're going to be as dominant as they were, but they're still a playoff team. They're still an AFC championship team. Oh, okay. I just thought that like the Bengals or the Bills were, you know, going to hop up a little bit higher and it's just the natural progression. But I mean, even in a load, loaded division, quote unquote, the Raiders were a bust. The Broncos didn't do anything. And the Chargers like fell down at the wire. But I mean... A lot of a lot of research to be done. We got to have our writers' room, which will probably be a week. Over. A couple of weeks. Yeah. yeah, we're looking at a couple of weeks for our writers' room because so. it's knocking on the door. Two weeks till opening day, as of right now. Yeah, I'm not ready for football. Not ready. But for I guess I'm ready to for them to bail us all out with this fucking Yankees team. Yeah, this, I mean, the the kids are finally called up and. Severino had a nice start yesterday, and Aaron Judge had three home runs. Um, I, I, yeah, whatever. I mean, all meaning we, we have a loaded ball segment, but I will say, like Cashman, the few times that he you know hops on air, that was like I I had a jam packed day yesterday, and there was so much content to consume from all different sectors of life. But I did take five minutes to listen to the Cashman stuff, and I don't know, I, I'm a little, I'm a little concerned because the way the conversation was posted like there was some accountability but i feel like he kind of put it on the player's fault and oh he's saying the right things to keep his job he is saying the right stuff like you know again i i am not the biggest boon guy i think he you know has put himself in a good position and he fights for his players but i think he's better in the booth than in the dugout however like Cashman was kind of like, oh yeah, you know, you know, we, we support Boone. It's not really his fault, which like 50% of it's right. But the other 50% is like, it is like, there was a lot of questionable shit that he's done. Um, I have a gut feeling that both of them are still going to be here. And at the end of the season, it's like, well, our players were hurt and you know, maybe they still clear house in that aspect, but they're not clearing personnel. No, I, I, I'm almost leaning towards that. We also made a bold prediction a few weeks ago that that Otani would end up staying with the angels, but I don't know if that happens anymore with their dismal couple of weeks. First of all, he tours UCL. He tours. So crazy. And the angels, like I thought they were going to make a dominant playoff push. They're 10 and a half back. (laughs) No, I mean, they, they bought and failed at the deadline, which I guess, you know, I guess that's a safe, like, that's something that the Yankees kind of like dodged a bullet of, of like, who are they going to buy to steer this ship? And, you know, clearly they knew that that wasn't going to happen. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I'm more concerned if he tore his UCL, like, does he push back his free agency a year? 
Yeah, I know. Does he, and does he pitch again? Like, if it's that bad, like, does he just go and be a hitter too? He's, this isn't his. I believe his rookie season, he tore his. He had Tommy John. Yeah, he had uh, he had arm surgery uh, a few years ago. Which uh, I mean, so, it, you you can't really pitch the same way after two arm surgeries. Who knows what happens now? Who knows? And listen, like Otani is a fantastic player, especially you know we're talking in this two way facet, but. Otani, like, you can't spend that much money on a DH. I mean, so many people are roasting, like, there was a, uh, I forgot who it was on MLB Network, but talking about how, like, Giancarlo Stanton, you know, the Yankees kind of hurt themselves for getting him. I mean, like, again, you make that trade 10 times out of 10 because, like, they didn't give up anybody of importance to get him. And, like, the contract in retrospect now is, like, it's not terrible. Like, there's, you know... There's players now making double what he's worth, but like John Carlos Stanton, like has log jammed the DH position, wasn't really playing a lot of outfield. And like, then that took them away from getting guys like Machado, Harper, um, you know, other high leverage players because of that money. So who, who will spend money on Otani if he's only a DH? I don't know. Yeah, I, I think these next two, three months are going to be telling how, how they use him after this because, you know, it's not looking great at the yeah. moment. So so that's interesting. Uh, we'll go to beers. We'll do a quick business before uh, we go to our friend Mike Randall as well. Would you like to start us in beers? Beers, beers, beers. Um, What do I have? I mean, I guess we'll we'll kick things off with, Mm, well, I'll, I'll say that I went to Long Live, their new location in Roxbury this year or this week. And I want to give a, a shout out to Long Live. I mean, they have done incredible stuff in Rhode Island. And now their new location in Boston is just shows that their brand is so strong. Um, they found this place. Now, again, if you're in New England, you know Roxbury is not the, the best thing in the world. I am credit you for doing a beer review while your dog is barking at his reflection I'm right now. One hand trying to get treats. The <laughs> feed him while talk about Give these. the man a treat. Give I'm him on no hours treat. of sleep right now, and we're, we're making it work. We're pushing through. But long live, you know, Roxbury is not the nicest area in the world, but this place that they found, they have done such an incredible job on the inside. And they have a beautiful event space that oversees their, um, you know, their uh, brewing facility. They have nice outdoor areas and they have beers that obviously, you know, we all know and love the all seeing eye, the black cat, all that stuff. But they do have some beers that are only present at the tap room. I'm not going to do an IPA, which is kind of crazy for for long live. Lost your mind because, you know, they're all four and a half plus. But I'm going to do. Ola Phantasma, which is a fruited sour uh, fermented with blood orange, pineapple, strawberry, and blackberry, and it's 6%. I know you're not the biggest sour guy, but you at least appreciate it. This was probably the best sour I've ever had. Holy shit. That's and a big claim for you. It's it's when, when a brewery is so efficient and, and popular with their IPAs, and then they, you know, do a killer job with their stouts. And then they do a uh, an innovative, crazy idea with their frozy cup. It's like obviously everything they're going to make is incredible. This fruited sour, it was it 
it blew me away. It was literally a fruit juice. They did such a fantastic job of that. So a four out of five for me for, for long lives Ola Phantasma. And, you know, I'm really excited to see the future of this location because when just like looking at the history of long live, you know, they started on Fountain Street in that small little spot where Beer on Earth, you know, formerly was. Um, they moved and elevated to their new spot. Everything they touch turns to gold and they really have an eye of not only making great beer, but finding locations that are going to, you know, be recreated and rebuilt in the next five years. So yeah, Roxbury, there's a lot of investment in right now. And that's an area that it sort of reminds me of like that area there. They, they were in, in Rhode Island and now I guess still are in. Um, so it's interesting stuff. Um, I am going to continue my world tour. Uh, Bear Bottle Brewing Company is sort of like a, a chain microbrew in the San Fran area. Uh, that This was my monster trip a couple weeks ago of Baltimore to SF to Denver to San Diego and then back home. So I'm on the San Francisco leg of this. Um, we were there for work and we met uh, a couple colleagues at Bear Bottle Brewing Company in Santa Clara, actually. Now, I was getting on a flight that night. I will say uh, I am now a big fan of pre-flight beers. Uh, I was not before. I didn't really like it. Uh, it just loosens you up. You're like, you know, your, your airports are stressful. They cause unnecessary stress. Just, you know, I chugged uh, about 30 ounces of beer in about an hour, uh, <laughs> quick little flight, and went to the airport. And that was, besides having to get up and pee every, like, five minutes, it was a great uh, a great experience. So highly recommend pre-flight beers. Uh, I was very anti that before. Um, so I got a flight. Their flights are fucking huge. So anyone in the Bay area, go to bear bottle and get a flight. I mean, that's, that's your best bang for your buck. Um, because they say five ounce pours, but they're more like eight. They're, wow. they're definitely more like eight. Um, I got clubhouse an American lager, uh, house H a U S. Uh, they called this a golf lager. So, I had to try that. That was my first beer there. Um, the description is crushed birdies and brews. Tea off into notes of sweet toast and a slight flowery aroma. Now that's what I call par for the course. Listen, this was, I, I sort of say the same thing about lagers. You know, I'm never going to give anything, you know, over like a three, five, three, seven, five. This is perfect for a golf course. Um, you know, you bring a few cans out there. Unbelievable stuff. Uh, I really liked this beer. Gave this a three, seven, five golf house by bear bottle brewing. Uh, you know, I, uh, over the moon recommendations for this beer, uh, very good selection from bear bottle. Happy. I tried it. Uh, and I would recommend this to anybody whatsoever. Golf course, beer, airport, beer, nothing beats it. <laughs> Uh, now all i had to do was have this at an airport and it would have been perfect that's, that's it that's that's the one so two good beers for you to go try obviously on different sides of the country but go for it uh we're gonna go to business and then we'll go into mike randall's interview and this is a real quick one but uber and lyft might leave minneapolis this is an interesting story Basically, here's a deal. Minneapolis is going to try to introduce these uh, minimum sort of mileage rates for drivers. Uber says, absolutely not. We can't afford this. You will put us out of business. Um, Minneapolis says, tough shit. And Uber and Lyft counter with, well, if you do this, we are leaving your state or your city. Now, 
I can't tell if they're bluffing because I think Minneapolis is going to try to go through with this law. I can't tell if they're bluffing or not, but this would be massive if they left because that means the dominoes are going to fall elsewhere. And you're telling me when I go to a city, I can't hop in an Uber or Lyft. That probably means I'm not coming to your city. As crazy as that sounds. I mean, who's back of the week is going to be the cab drivers, the yellow cab. Uh, yeah, dude. Um, <laughs> I mean, listen, like, the rising expense of everything is is happening and you have to you have like people you know uber was special because uber was people's part-time jobs it was their side hustles it was literally their cash grab now uber is becoming something where it's like a full-time profession i mean you know i i looked at that a couple days ago when i was on an uber i'm like you know, it was always like only seven bucks. It's like, how do drivers, you know, they have to really be, you know, doing a lot to make this a living. Um, it's going to be interesting to see, like, uh, if, if Minneapolis, which isn't a major city, but it's it's definitely a major Midwest city, you know, which neighbors follow suit with that. It, it's it's definitely troubling times. I, I, I'm not too familiar with the situation if there's like a Uber driver union. I don't think they can unionize. Who knows? Does that it? sound right? I feel like they might, though. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, they're, well, they're they're trying to. They're trying yeah. to do it now. They they never have. The, I think that was the big dispute with, uh, with like, when a driver is going to choose a certain, you know, route. Do they just go the cab driver route or do they just go the Uber driver route? Yeah. So I, I don't know. I'm a little concerned at this because yes, like drivers need to make money. I get that. Um, if I'm also the business, I'm sort of saying like GFY, right? Like I I'm saying to these cities, like you are trying to build the economy. You're trying to get everything back in here. Uh, why are you trying to price this out? Basically, you know, so I, yeah. I understand both sides, but you know, if you don't have Uber and Lyft in a city, like, and you know, you're telling me I've got to go there, it's going to make shit really hard. You know, how the it, hell do you get around? Cabs. Yeah. <laughs> Renting yeah. cars. All the shit that people used to do in the 80s and 90s, I guess. Walk around, public transportation, anything. Yeah. Uh, Fucking light rail. Who's, is there a other competitor besides Uber and Lyft? I mean, for getting in cars, no. You could get There's like no other ride shares, really, right? No, that's really it. Well, there. I, I mean, I guess where there always be that sort of like low cost, cheap option that stays around. I don't know because you have to pay the driver, so do you just take less. Yeah, but I, I'm curious. Like, yeah, I'm curious to see if cities, you know, then have the opportunity to create their own city centric Ubers. Yeah, do they just go in the individual cities? I wonder. That could be and interesting. Like their state, their their state employees that now get paid the minimum wage. But again, that's like <laughs> we're kind of recreating the New York cab system. Yeah, literally, we're we're describing that. Like people we're, that we're talking about the same way people are talking about Airbnb. They're like, what if Airbnb had like a bunch of rooms? They had like a community pool and a gym. They had like a concierge up front that can help you find stuff. It's like, yeah, you're fucking describing a hotel. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes you got to uh, step backward to move forward, I guess. Hey, uh, who knows? I, I'm very interested to see what happens with this because 
this is going to affect a lot of cities. And I, I just wonder. I wonder how this is going to get resolved. But anyway, we'll go to balls. Uh, Mike Randall's here from FTN. Really cool story of how he left education, came back, and uh, you know is making a name for himself at FTN. We go over fantasy. We're going to talk about everything you need to know in drafting. Uh, some guys that are sleepers. Maybe some guys you pass on. Maybe some guys you you take a gamble on. Let's go right into Mike Randall. All right, everyone, we now go to a very special guest. This is a guy that, uh, God, always a friend of the program, uh, but we've never really had on any of our house programming. Uh, Mike Randall, Chief Content Officer at FTN, uh, recently entered from the education space as well. Uh, Full steam ahead for Mike Randall and FTN. So, Mike, welcome to the show. I feel like this was long overdue. How you doing, man? Sir, it was long overdue. It is a pleasure. Uh, I love all the work that you're doing and you guys are doing here on the podcast. It's fantastic. It's a pleasure to be here to chat with you. We can cover so much. The topics are endless. Uh, let's get started. I'm fired up. I want to start with what's behind you. Um, the, can you give us a, a, a rundown of your spread back there? They're jerseys, but they're out of camera shot. So we need to know what this collateral is and the story behind them. Yes. The first Jersey I got, I believe in buying jerseys to your personality. Okay. I am not a Ravens fan, but Steve Smith, uh, the great Steve Smith from the Ravens and the Panthers is one of the best wide receivers I've ever seen. I, he caught a touchdown in the Meadowlands here in New Jersey with a broken arm He's an ultra competitor. Love the guy. Future Hall of Famer. We have the 89 Steve Smith jersey from the Ravens. And then we have, of course, the greatest athlete I've ever seen in my life. And that's Bo Jackson. And in addition, yes, Bo Jackson. And behind me, my wife got this for me. It is really the greatest basketball shot I've ever seen because of everything that was on the line. Ray Allen with the heat against the Spurs because he catches it. He steps backwards without looking down, bangs a three to take game six for the Heat to overtime. They win that, win game seven. That gets LeBron a ring. That gets all the other players on the Heat a ring. And it prevents Duncan from getting six championships, which he would have gotten if he got that one. So a lot on that shot there. And it was just in the moment was incredible. It's incredible. The, uh, the, the call from Mike Breen was epic too. He goes, Ray Allen, step back for three. Bang. Yep. <laughs> it's unbelievable. Um, a lot of Spurs fans hate that clip, by the way. So if you see a Spurs fan that's giving a crap, just share that with them. That'll so end their true. day. <laughs> so true, man. I, it was great. It just, just cause that Jake is hours, thousands of hours of practice. That's the only yeah. way he could have shot that. It had to be done in a second. Right. One of the best of all time. Three point shooters for sure. Uh, mm-hmm. Proud of you. Uh, you know, the pride of UConn as well. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah Ray Allen's a, he, he's one that we grew up with and was uh, unbelievable. So we're going to hit you with the hard hitting first question that we do to everybody. And that's who is Mike Randall? Mike Randall is a guy who has just been blessed to join FTN. I was doing content for them in September and I joined with them. And then January became the chief content officer here at FTN. It's been fantastic. We are growing so quickly. The fantasy site with Jeff Radcliffe. We have Aaron Schatz coming on board now with the fantasy football almanac, which has been huge. The FTN daily site with two gun 
who's also one of our investors, who's won $4 million prizes, $3 million makers and $4 million prizes in daily. And of course, our bet site. So it's been amazing. It's been fantastic. I'm working from home. Life is good. I just got back from the Fantasy Football Expo at the Hall of Fame. I did not play against Des Bryant in the flag football competition. <laughs> and that was a good move because I am not yeah. in the hospital. So yes, that's who I am. And it's been a, a wild journey, man. So I want to know, yeah, and thank God you didn't play Des. That would have been yeah. a fun ending for you. Um, man, did was he like, so what's the deal with that? Did he, was this like civilians and Des Bryant or was this just like ex-NFL players or what? how did that all go down? Des is the NFL representative to sort of bridge the NFL and the fantasy community. The expo is run by Bob Lung, uh, who started this uh, years ago. I mean, over a decade ago. And he brings everybody together from the fantasy space. So anyone you know was there, whether it was J.J. Zacharyson, anyone from Fantasy Life. Matthew Berry was there last year. And Des joined. So there was a flag football contest between uh, fantasy analysts and Des Bryant's team. Des Bryant's team won. He played quarterback, Jake. He's lefty. He connected on multiple <laughs> touchdowns. No, he did not play wide receiver because that wouldn't be fair. Uh, but yeah, it was, it's fantastic. It's a multi-day event. It's at the NFL hall of fame. They have drafts, the Kings draft, King classic, Queens classic, or Lauren Carpenter was running the, the women in fantasy panel. It was just a great event. It's a couple days and it's my first time going and I can't, I loved it. It's incredible. Um, and I want to know, uh, let's take us way back. Uh, you know, maybe it was when you were a kid, maybe it was another time, but what was that moment that you first fell in love with sports. Like what, what was it that lit the match for you that, you know, you said uh, eventually I want to work in this industry, even, you know, sort of side hustling it when you were in the education system to now mm -hmm. doing it full time. Um, you know, what, what was it for you? Jake, it was two things. And now I'm much older than you. So I'm going to shock you here. Two things. Number one, I was a very young child and it was 1986 and the Mets were playing the Red Sox mm. and they didn't have VCRs then. Jake. So my dad, that's where I'm up, supposed to say, what's that? Exactly. Or? That's exactly right. <laughs> my dad had a video camera pointed at the television. Cause I was so young. He's like, you got to go to bed when you wake up, I'll play it for you. Game six, 86 woke up the next morning, Mookie Wilson, Bill Buckner, the whole thing saw it the next morning. Loved it. Second one, college basketball, 85 had to go to bed again. Villanova, Georgetown. I hated Georgetown. Love Syracuse. They they were so good. And Villanova upset them with the perfect game. And I woke up in the morning, Jake, and outside my room as a kid, my dad had hung toilet paper from the ceiling with V's in it to let me know who won. And then I went downstairs and, and watched it. But those were That's the two funny. things that – and I said, look, if I have a chance to get involved in sports, I would. The, the, the hilarious story is I was teaching and coaching, and a college friend of mine – had a chance. He calls me up. He says, Mike, Elite Eight, Atlanta, come on down. This was 2004. And he was a big spender, a Duke basketball, whole thing. So I flew down. You know, young guy, you fly down. I get down there and he's like, I want you to meet some people. And I met these lovely girls and their husbands and everybody was hanging out. And he said, tell me about Coach K. Tell me about how much you love Coach K because I was a basketball coach. And I said, oh, Coach K's the man. I start going on. A couple drinks in me, food, the whole thing. <laughs> they, they look at me and they go, you know, we think he's pretty good too. And it kind of clicked, Jake, that, boy, they kind of look like him, huh? Anyway, long story short, we hung out with the Krzyzewski family the entire time. It was the Elite Eight in Atlanta against Xavier back in 2004. They won that. They ended up going in the Final Four. 
and I got a call from Mike Schrag, who I now is somewhere. I think he's an athletic director somewhere, or Schrag or Schraggy called me and asked me to come down and work the Duke basketball camp in wow. 2004. The problem is, Jake, that they're out of school so early. I would have to quit my job and come down the first <laughs> week in May. And I could not do that to the kids. So that was my other experience. The sliding doors moment. Did I miss my chance to coach? Cause you know, you never know, but in the end I found my way here. I'm still in sports now. So I'm fired up. There you go. Th does that ever haunt you that like you could have been coaching for coach K? I think about it, but Jake, it just was unrealistic. You're a teacher, you have AP classes, you have kids going to college, and I'm just going to walk into the principal at the first week in May and say, I'm out of here. <laughs> I, I, that's just maybe it. coach with uh, with Coach K. And my friends bust me because they go, well, you, you could have got, you were a med teacher, you could have got a job anywhere. Y yeah, I get it, guys, but there is a sense of like, I, you know, so I said, could you wait until June? And they said, no, we need you now. So I would have literally, Jake, in my 20s, had to throw away my entire career on a hope that plorking the basketball camp would lead to a restricted earnings job, right? It just seemed a little <laughs> true. nuts. It seemed a little nuts at the time. It's true. Um, but you ended up doing just fine. So, uh, you know, wind us back a little bit more. Um, you go to BC, you get mm -hmm. two degrees in math, you know, mm -hmm. you're studying stats, you know, you're sort of, this is, this becomes your world to a degree math. And, uh, you know, there's the element of education, of course, you're studying regression models, statistical mm -hmm. analysis, mm -hmm. Why, why all this stuff? Were you just predisposed to math or did you find an interest in, in the statistical sort of analysis side of things or, or what, what was it for you there? I loved math. I was always in the honors classes, Jake, but I had to work to get the B plus A minus like the kid who slept in the back corner and got the A pluses. That was not me, but I loved math and I loved numbers. And we used to play fantasy baseball, you know, with all your stats and your whip and your warp, great stuff. So I loved it. And I had a very influential teacher in my life. Uh, my dad was a teacher and also this, uh, my Mr. Cullen, who was my uh, high school AP teacher, just really affected me. And so I went to school and wanted to be a broadcaster or go into business, try a couple things. And then you say, who are the people that have lives that you want to model? And it was these two people. So I said, I can coach. I can still do that and be involved. I ran at BC. I was track captain for three years, which is why my knees and back are shot. But like I, I, I said, I want to model those people. And that's where it came from. I loved math. I love stats. I love the numbers. I love probability. I love calculating odds. And yeah, I love being a math teacher and working in education. But when I retired, I now got a chance to pursue some of my own interests. And it couldn't have come at a better time. So, and then the last couple of years for you in this industry have been uh, pretty interesting for you. So just a, a little overview on, on what you've been up to, uh, you know, you've contributed at Action Network, you know, you've had your Screen the Screener podcast for a while, or right? you've contributed a, a host of different places. So in your eyes, what have the last few years looked like for you specific to sports? Yeah. So I, I, anyone who's interested in getting involved in sports, the answer is just say Yes. I saw opportunities to write. I didn't care if I was getting paid. I needed a place to get my work out there. I would say about four years ago is when the audio and video sort of took off. So in 2016, I just started doing writing. And the big break came to me, a guy named Colm Kelly. He's on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. Really changed my path because he put something out on Rotoviz, which was a site I subscribed to, saying, does anyone want to learn how to edit and produce podcasts? I need to do some. And I said, why not? I didn't care about getting paid. Like, I just want to learn. Anyway, taught me audacity, taught me how to edit, 
and we were doing the NFL team preview series where we would interview beat reporters. So honestly, Jake, it was interesting as hell, you know? And so he taught me everything and then it went from there. So then I called my buddy Gus Kearns at C Kearns 12 uh, on Twitter. And I said, let's do a basketball podcast because now I know how to do it. So we came over to my house and we had our Yeti microphone and both of us talked into the same Yeti microphone at a circular table. And then here we are. So the answer is just do what you like. If you like to write or you want to do a podcast, it doesn't matter. People will find you and it will grow. And I started interviewing people and hey, people didn't write back for a while. Action Network rejected me the first time I applied. Then they took me the second time. <laughs> so like it just, you just have to keep throwing darts at the wall. Yeah. And then before we get into fantasy too, uh, tell everyone about your new newer gig, your current gig. So you get to FTN. We were talking off air about how you got there, which is a crazy story. Um, how did you get to a place like FTN and what are you doing day to day now? Yeah, I was just writing for everyone, whether it was fantasy pros, betting pros, action network, every uh, uh, big 10 powerhouse, anywhere I could write Bleacher report, I would write. And Kevin Adams, the CEO, God bless him slid in my dms and i knew about ftn and i knew they were blowing it up and i knew they had started and he said hey mike do you want to have a conversation and originally he wanted to talk to me just to do exclusive content for ftn and i always knew that they were coming on strong and they made a, a splash and um jeff was there i knew that and i'm like oh sure i'll talk and then he knew my background he knew i was a superintendent i used to work in education or i was working in education and he said well you know we have a spot for a chief content officer to be honest and it worked out. So Kevin and the group and Stefano Vaccarino, who's the CEO, uh, CFO, COO, Jeff, the whole crew has been fantastic. Uh, the site is growing. We're doing great numbers and sales and it's just been great. But that's it. It's a guy I never talked to. You know, you post on Twitter, you, you interview people, you interview people and they, they listen. And so you never know. Like I said to you, we're off air. Good things happen you know, to good people if you work hard. And that's exactly what happened. He sent me a DM. I was watching some Gosh, I was watching, was it, uh, it was August. So I was probably watching some replay of Gonzaga St. Mary's, right? Because <laughs> what I was doing. And, uh, and he contacted me. And then now here I am. It's incredible. So with, with football around the corner, uh, you're on to talk some fantasy, right? We've got a, an audience that's clamoring to, to get back into this sort of thing. And, you know, what, what better person to do that with i mean you've uh, can you just share about how you personally got into fantasy football i mean was it was it writing was it through another outlet have you played forever how did you get into this and what inspired you to sort of be an uh, an expert in this field i had played it for a while and my first article was for a great site that's still around last word on pro football and you had to apply. They, they took it. My first article, Jake, was why Ezekiel Elliott is a terrible pick for the Cowboys. <laughs> Called it caveat emptor, right? That's real original. Caveat emptor, beware of Zeke Elliott. Anyway, he was a terrible article, totally wrong. He was great that year. I think he's the RB2. It was awful. But that's what it was, is I just continued to write. And you watch people who are better writers. And you watch your J.J. Zacharysons and, and Jeff Radcliffe and Matt Kelly over Player Profile, all those people. And then you learn. And they give you a style, right? And you get better. Uh, and that's what it is. And then I ended up finishing first two years ago in the uh, Fantasy Pros Contest for RB rankings, pre-draft uh, pre RB rankings, which was great because my cousin used to say your RB rankings are terrible. So I always flash <laughs> the badge, Jake, right in his face whenever. Uh, but yeah, it's, it was uh, great. And the rankings have gone well. And so now here we are. And I'm diving in every couple of days and updating them. And my life is 
Am I ranking Jahan Dotson or Terry McLaurin higher? That is my life, Jake, is what I do. It's riveting stuff. Well, I mean, it is. It's more riveting than like most people's nine to five because you go and you can actually, I mean, the stuff you put out makes a difference, right? It's, It's the difference between a guy's winning season and potentially... You know, uh, having to do a lemonade stand in the front yard while, you know, the rest of your friends drink or something like that. Right. So who knows? Maybe, uh, you know, that that work does inspire a little bit. Um, I want to talk about prep, right? Because uh, the content you're putting out there is obviously meant for consumers that are probably going to research and prepare for their drafts. Right. So. I mean, for you, what goes into that, right? What resources are you using or there is there content that others put out that you're sort of using as inspiration or. Or, uh, you know, what's, what's that research even look like for you? It's, it's projections based. So what you do, and I, I learned this years ago from, again, the guys at Rotoviz who were just wonderful people. Um, Sean Siegel is there. He was the original zero RB guy, Dave Cabin, uh, Curtis Patrick, all these great guys there. Uh, what you do is you project your players. Now, how do you do that? Well, Jake, let's just take, I don't know, take a random football. What's your favorite NFL team? Pick a team. Oh, I'm a big Pats guy. You see my blue line thing above here? It's cut off. Oh, it's cut off. That's what I got. Okay. I got Gronk, Belichick, uh, Brady, and who's the last one? It's it's Edelman in there. Right. Perfect. So you're going to take the Patriots and you're going to look back on the last five years and see how many pass attempts and running attempts they've had. Then you're going to have to assign some sort of completion percentage to Mac Jones and try to figure that out because, of course, Brady years. It's a, there. It's a pretty low one, too. Yeah. <laughs> then you're going to look at Ramundra. You know, so that's how you do it, and you calculate that for each team and see where they are. So what you'll see is a lot of discrepancies. Like you can sit there and think Ramondre Stevenson is going to be a top three running back in fantasy, but then when you actually conceptualize and, and put a quantity number and quantify what he'd have to do to get that. You say there's no way he's making that. He could be top ten, but he's not going to be. That's what you do. Is you you. I usually look back last five years, last three years, whatever it is, um, and you you just project, and that's how you do projection models. You have to assign a number of plays. You have to assign. You know, look at strength of schedule. Uh, we have a strength of schedule model FTN that we use, and you just see how you think the season's going to go. There is some nuance to it, but you're going to base it off of that. And if if you line up all these top twenty running backs and you project where you think their rushing yards and their receiving yards are going to be, you start saying, I don't think Stevens, you know, maybe he can, or maybe he can, or why is Devonte Parker going in the last round when I know he could probably end up with 60, 70 reception, you know, that's the sort of stuff that you do that go into the rankings. And that's another interesting piece of it too. Cause obviously this seems like a starting point, right? You look at certain guys, like, I mean, let's say you get some sort of anomaly that comes out and it's like, what, this guy's not going to, you know, do what he did. He's, he's old. He just had surgery, uh, you know, his knees bum or whatever. I mean, like, is there, is there some sort of sliding scale that you're using to determine like, all right, this guy's 30 now, like he's not going to be able to compete uh, how he was. Like we're going to slide everything down by 15 or 20%. Like when do you, when do you factor that into a guy's performance? It's at the end. After you do the projections, is at the end, you look at them. And I still believe that when you project fantasy, some people just go by a model. They just go straight by a model. That's it. I, I combine them. I, Jake, you can sit there and know all the math in a poker tournament. And there is no substitute for me sitting across from you, having watched you and your mannerisms for five hours and me knowing you just don't have it. So I, I, I think there's nuance to both. You have to make mathematical based decisions. You just can't say, I like this guy. I like that guy. It doesn't work. But then when you get down to splitting hairs, whether I like Tony Pollard or whether I like, 
Jonathan Taylor. I mean, can you have a more nebulous situation than Jonathan Taylor right now? I mean, he could end up in Miami, Jake, yeah. and everybody could be happy. Or he could sit out. I mean, we we used to think running backs don't sit out the whole year. We'll talk to Le'Veon Bell. So, I mean, people do sit. So that is the part you just don't know. You have to think about it. And then sometimes we hit it right. Like I got lucky three months ago. Sky Moore, I always thought was the top receiver in Kansas City. Always thought it was Sky Moore. I was drafting Sky Moore. People were going Kadarius Tony. Enough of Kadarius Tony. He was going after Marquez Valdez Scantling. I mean, so sometimes you hit it right. Yeah, you hit on at least a few questions we had for uh, for this specific year too, because this is a really this is going to be an odd year for fantasy. I mean, you look at all these storylines. I want to start with the running backs too, because I don't think there's been at least my lifetime that I've followed football. I don't think the running back position has been more in crisis than it is now. Right? Mm -hmm. They're get are they getting criminally underpaid, or is that the future of the position? That's the you know that's not for me to decide. I don't think we're going to get that done. Right? But I mean, how does that affect us from a fantasy perspective? Right? Like, are the general thought without any analysis is okay scores are going to go down right like maybe you should pass on running backs but i mean in your eyes what do you see with the the running back position there if if you can find a three down running back that is actually going to play at least 15 games then you have to take that running back right away <laughs> the my, problem I guess my point or who who are those people that is the question it's such uh, a short list yeah and that's if you so for example just going down the list it, it, christian mccaffrey is that guy for sure? People worry about the injuries and this too. What I will say, Jake, is you have to make decisions on big picture strategies. Are you a, because most of the mathematical fantasy analysts say, I don't care about injuries. I can't predict them. Everyone's going to get them. I don't care. If Christian McCaffrey plays 15 or 17 games, he's going to be the running back one. So some people like that. Now, two of the last three years, that's been terrible. Last year, he was great. So you have to make that decision. When it comes to running backs, I tend to be more of a wide receiver early guy because the leagues I play in are at least half PPR, if not full PPR. So I worry about an Austin Eckler who's had incredible 36 touchdowns in the last two years, but he's not coming back. And he tried to you know, negotiate his contract in the offseason for the Chargers and they didn't bite. So could Joshua Kelly, Isaiah Spiller be worked in? Here comes the nuance. If you were the head coach, of the Chargers, would you just feed Austin Eckler this year? Or would you say, guys, he's probably not coming back next year and maybe try to give away some of his carries? So that could knock him down a little bit. Nick Chubb looks fantastic. Saquon Barkley, Bijan Robinson certainly looks great. in the history, as I mentioned my Ezekiel Elliott article, of running backs doing well as rookies seems to be pretty strong. Derrick Henry, obviously fantastic. The question is the health, and he's older. Tony Pollard. I've been fading Tony Pollard, but they still haven't added a running back, and if they don't add a running back, he's going to be fantastic. So you go through each one of these players, and I create tiers, and I say, these are the top running backs for me. Pollard is in that tier now because they didn't add anybody. Yeah, and that's that's another thing. I think, was it you that wrote that, like, right at the beginning of a, a recent article? Was it like, you know, hey, Tony Pollard, is if you thought he was an RB8, uh, you know, I think people would have thought you were crazy if you wrote that three years ago. People yep. don't think you're so crazy anymore because he, uh, I mean, they were even saying it last year and the year before there, uh, people started to ask, Hey, is Pollard better than Elliot? Right. Is Pollard better than Elliot? A lot of people got laughed at for saying that. And now look what they've done. They've moved on from Elliot and they're thrusting Pollard into the limelight here. Tony Pollard in four years has increased his rushing attempts from 86 to 193. It's gone up four consecutive years. Wow. He's increased his rushing yards from 455 to 1,007. Last year, he broke 1,000 rushing yards. His receiving yards have gone up each of the last four years, 107 to 371. And his touchdowns, 
three, four years ago, 12 last year. He was the overall PPR RB8. I had my doubts. I did not think that they were going to feature him as the running back because, again, this is still a guy who at Memphis was primarily a wide receiver. But teams reveal what they're going to do with their actions, Jake, not by their words. They did not sign Ezekiel Elliott. Yes, Leonard Fournette is still out there. But at this point, I think they're rolling with Tony Pollard. And if you told me Tony Pollard is going to get 15 to 17 games, then Christian McCaffrey may be one, but Tony Pollard's going to be two. Wow. That's insane to think that that just came out of your mouth, but it's true. It's, mm-hmm. it's absolutely true because that guy is, I mean, he could be poised to have a pretty good year. What's the running back depth even look like now? I mean, I'm looking at the, they've got like Deuce Vaughn, Rico Dowdle. Like none of these guys are really going to take his snaps away for the most part. Yeah, they are debating between Deuce Vaughn has been fantastic in the preseason, but he's still a rookie and he's still very slight in terms of his strains, like a mini Darren Sproles. Rico Dowdell and Malik Davis are battling. It's one of the key storylines coming into this week in the preseason is who's going to be the backup. But there's my point, Jake. As much as Tony Pollard doesn't feel like a Saquon Barkley and doesn't feel like an RB1, does Malik Davis or Rico Dowdell pose a major threat? So again, he's slight of frame, but whenever he's been the RB without Zeke Elliott, he's been the overall RB1 two of those three times. So for the week, so I get it. I, and you got to have a fluid, fluid Bayesian process. Like I didn't like Tony Pollard three months ago and I thought they were adding somebody and you know what? They're not, at least not right now. Now, if Lenny Fournette signs there on August 30th, ah, okay, we'll see what happens. Now we're, now we're cooking with a little fire. Yeah, exactly. Makes sense. Um, so where's that cutoff for you? Is it like at maybe the Taylor level that could be number eight, you know, in the running back scheme? Is it like maybe farther down to someone like Najee Harris or Joe Mixon? Like, where where is that line for you from a running back perspective? I tend to go wide receiver early. So I am not getting much of the Jonathan Taylor, Josh Jacobs, Ramondre Stevenson type of guys. I'm worried about Mixon to a certain extent. Najee Harris is dropping like 32.2 feet per second squared because they think Jalen Warren is going to be this fantastic guy. And he had the 52, 60-yard run last uh, week in the preseason. That's not going to happen. Najee Harris is at worst, a 65-35 running back, and he's going to get double-digit touchdowns. Why? Because Mike Tomlin always feeds his lead guy, and he is the short goal line back over the diminutive of Jalen Warren. So what I will tell you is that with running backs, I do have some exposure to McCaffrey. I get that. But after that, I don't usually take a running back. I like Nick Chubb, but I don't take the Barclays, Bijans, Derek Henry, Tony Pollard, I then look at Najee, if I can get three uh, wide receivers in a row and then pick up Najee. And then also, again, this Travis Etienne, who's getting pushed by Tank Bigsby, the Aaron Jones with A.J. Dillon, Jameer Gibbs with Dave Montgomery, no part of that. I then jump all the way down to the current, he's usually around RB26 or 27, James Cook of Buffalo, who I absolutely love because, Jake, I can get him really cheap, and I think he's going to be a top 12 running back. Interesting. You think he emerges out of the the Buffalo crowd? Then? Yes, I do. Uh, Damian Harris is fine, but he's already hurt and he's a plotter. Cook can catch passes, Latavius. So, I mean, if you love the pass catching back, it's Cook on a great offense. And Cook is the lead RB1. Could they sub Harris in and out? Absolutely. But I'll take James Cook in round six anytime, especially in a half point or a full point PPR, because I think he's getting 50 or 60 receptions. That's a good point. I, you know, it, it hurts my Patriots heart to say that they've got a good running back room and they have for the past few years too, but it just, it looks a little bit different this year because, uh, you know, now they've got Harris, uh, you know, did they move on from Singletary or is he not playing or where he's in Houston? He? Yeah. He went down in Houston and that's the thing. I think last year, Devin Singletary was like 800 yards. So to me, if cook just gives what Singletary did last year, he's going to pay off that ADP. 
Yeah. Wow. That's that's something I really hadn't thought of. So, I, I mean, it sounds like, you know, go for the – if you're in a position to get, you know, the top three, four guys, then by all means go for it. But maybe yes. maybe take a pass on the bulk of that that next sort of wave of running backs, if you will. Try to get the, the – try to stack your wide receivers up a little bit and then try to buy it cheaper, cheaper value for later on. 100%. That's what I do. And it may not, you know, and again, it's not about me telling you what to do, Jake. It's about me making, telling you the key questions that you have to answer before your fantasy draft and then make your own decision. I don't think anyone should just blindly tell me. I wouldn't tell anybody blindly, but you take that and you say, is this what I want to Travis Kelsey or not to Travis Kelsey? If Travis Kelsey has the same year he had last year, he is the number one overall pick in every single draft period because he gives you such a positional advantage at tight end. However, if he doesn't and he comes back down to earth just a little bit and the in the um, da- Dallas Goddards and the Kyle Pitts and the Mark Andrews and those sort of guys, George Kittle, get closer, then he's a terrible first-round pick. Yeah, wow. It's interesting stuff. Um, I think personally the, the other big storyline this year is with the quarterbacks, right? We've seen a lot of movement. Uh, and whether that's young guys getting a new opportunity, like a Sam Howell in Washington, whether that's uh, old guys getting a new opportunity, like Aaron Rodgers, um, you know, a, a lot of shifting. And who knows the quarterback battle in, in Tampa, how that uh, mm-hmm. how that fares up with Baker and with uh, with with everybody else there. So, I mean, any guys you look at and say, yes, he's in a new market. I really like him. Here's the reason why. Who stands out? <sighs> Uh, in a new market, let's see. If I look down the list, and I have a couple things I'll tell you about quarterback as well. What you want is you certainly want a rushing quarterback. I know Deshaun Watson's not in a new situation, but I think Deshaun Watson could have a much better year than he's being drafted, usually around quarterback 10. But this is a guy, Jake, who was QB5, QB2, QB5 before everything went off the tracks in his personal life. Um Anthony Richardson, I am not a big fan of. People love Anthony Richardson because he can run. To pay off his ADP, he'd have to be like almost Justin Fields or Cam Newton-like in his first year, and I just think they have limited weapons. Aaron Rodgers is solid, but you want a Russian quarterback at this point. If you wanted a late-round quarterback, I have two. I am still on the Russell Wilson train because he was so bad last year. He was QB 18. He's being drafted. He was QB 16. He's being drafted as QB 18, Jake. So, again, I don't hate players. I hate ADPs. And the other one is I'm starting to buy into the Kenny Pickett hype. I like the Steelers. I like Mike Tomlin. It looks pretty good. He's got a lot of weapons. Kenny Pickett, quarterback 22. You can get him late. Not a bad choice either. But I will tell you this. For the last 15 years, if you look at the top three quarterbacks in ADP, one, two, three, before the season, one of them busted in 14 of the 15 seasons. Bust by injury, bust by QB 13. Only one time, Jake, in the last 15 years did the top three quarterbacks by ADP all finish as a QB 1. I am not saying that you should spend a lot of time tonight deciding whether that's going to be Jalen Hurts or Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen. What I'm telling you is one of them is going to have a bad year. And wow. it's just it's just the way it is. They're not going to finish like that. So if that's the case, if you want to take one of them, that's fine. I usually either grab one of them early or I wait till much later. I don't want to hang around in the middle Joe Burrow. Like I don't want that because I think there's not a lot of value. Wow. So, man, that's crazy because odds are, I mean, I think if you've pulled America right now, they would say it's Josh Allen that has that year. 
And, but there's a lot of people that would say, no, this is going to be a breakout year. Like he's finally going to get it together. Mm -hmm. uh, what, they said that last year and the year before too. But, you know, I mean, the jury is pretty much in on Jalen Hurts, right? You saw yep. what he did last year. Uh, the jury's never going to be out on Mahomes. Yep. So I wonder if he ends up being that guy. Yeah, I mean, and you can look at it too because there always also are issues in terms of, you know, the, the, the team that loses the Super Bowl always doesn't have a great year the next year. And at some point, Patrick Mahomes may have like a QB nine year. I know that's blas that's blasphemous, Jake, to say, but like if he has the QB eight, is that like a disaster? No, but he's not going to pay off his value. Yeah, no, it's it's a fair point. Um, what are your thoughts on what's shaping out in San Francisco right now? Uh, you know, is it obviously? I don't think you want to touch it from a uh, a like yeah, I'm going to draft this guy. And not even a late round perspective, like, you know, am I taking Brock Purdy with the last couple picks? Probably not. But I mean, any thoughts on how that emerges and maybe one of those guys emerging as a, a potential waiver wire ad late down the stretch? Yeah, I think Brock Purdy's great. I mean, I think I'm huge on Brandon Ayuk. I, you know, George Kittle is always a fantastic outlet and Debo Samuel's there. I'm a Brock Purdy guy. He doesn't run. The reason he's going late is because anyone who runs, I used to say if Usain Bolt became a quarterback, he'd be drafted in the top three because people just say, oh, if he runs, I don't think it's that easy, at least not in your first season. How about that? But since Purdy doesn't run, he's getting pushed down. Jake, there's something to be said if you wait on quarterback because you have such a strong running back wide receiver tight end group. That 272 and one is not a terrible Sunday. And that's what I think Purdy gets more often than not. Yeah, that's it's fair. And then uh, thoughts on Tua. Should people be comfortable taking him? He's bad sushi for me. I get very nervous taking Tua because of the concussions, because they still don't have a running back. I just don't have a lot of Tua. He was fantastic last year, but his arm strength isn't great. I don't think they can deal with a lot of injuries with Tyreek and Jalen Waddle because it's such a consolidated target share. I get it. I'm not high on Tua. I would rather wait for later with the Daniel Jones and the Russell Wilsons and the Kenny Picketts than take him. Yeah. I think I'm right with you. That's just mo enough motivation to ho hopefully cling on to the Pat season for me too. Oh, Hoping yeah. things go wrong. Um, and it's sad because I, I really do like Tua as a person. I think he is a good quarterback, um, you know, and the, I do feel bad for the guy because he's been through the yes. ringer with all these injuries. But yes. Um, and then you're a noted guy that's high on all the Chiefs receivers, right? <laughs> it's it's incredible because they just trot whoever out there. I mean, they said they'd be bad without uh, without Hill and look what he's doing in Miami. They said they'd be bad without uh, without Juju. Right. And Juju. You know, they're they're in a position now to be just fine without him, right? Yeah. You're a big Sky Moore guy. I'm yeah. a big Sky Moore guy. Um, but is everyone else in this receiving core for the Chiefs somebody that you would trust? Yeah, I, I again, Jake, it's the ADP. It's because I can pick up a bunch of Chiefs late. Now, listen, last year it wasn't fantastic. I mean, Juju Smith-Schuster was okay. But I just think it's – I don't think we can write Travis Kelsey in every year to be that dominant. So you can get Sky Moore and Rasheed Rice, Sky Moore and Kadarius Tony if you like him, Marquez Valdez, however you want to do it. You can get all those guys late if you want, and that's what it is. I figure one of them will hit, and when they hit, we're going to be all set. Yeah. 
Um, what makes Sky Moore such this high potential guy? Is it just his speed, or is it the the way that he's? Uh, is it the things they're asking him to do? Like, what's what's your take on Sky Moore? Productive and really productive in college. Super fast. Played in big games last year. Mahomes is going to trust him. Threw a touchdown pass to him. Yes, it was only two yards, but still, it was a touchdown pass. He has the experience. I think Andy Reid's offense is difficult to pick up. And Marquez Valdez-Scantling is what he is. He was the bomb guy with Aaron Rodgers that he catches one and drops two. Kadarius Toney is always injury prone and had a, a one year of college production in Florida. I don't like players with that profile, <clears throat> Mitch Trubisky. So, <laughs> like, so it's really looking around. Rasheed Rice, I talked to Jesse Newell, who used to cover the Kansas Jayhawks, the Kansas City Star. Now he covers the, the Kansas City Chiefs. He says, Mike, you got to cool the Jets or Rasheed Rice. He's still a second round pick in his rookie year. He goes, so what Sky Moore did last year. So if you look at all those players, you start checking it off. Who's catching the passes? I think it's Sky Moore. Yeah. Uh, he's just so quick. And he's, uh, I, I think he made a name for himself this past year. At least he wasn't putting up these insane numbers, but he didn't really have to with what they were doing. It just worked so well. And they sort of said, hey, you contribute where you can. Yeah, I agree. So, so it's interesting stuff. Um, I've got to ask about the Patriots because just because mm-hmm. I have to, and then I'll ask on the Giants uh, on behalf of Will. Um, the Pats, Mac Jones has had a an interesting couple of years. I mean, do you, from a an analytical perspective, do you expect his numbers to go up a bit now with the new weapons, with the new scheme? What do you think? I do. I think last year they had a terrible offensive coordinator situation. I think this year it will be much better with Bill O'Brien. I believe in Mac Jones's accuracy. I think he's learned a lot. I still believe in Belichick. He's the best football coach I've ever seen. I think he should change the Lombardi name trophy and call it the Belichick trophy. And I'm not even a Patriot fan. That's the correct um, answer. But I I like the weapons. I believe in the Patriots. They're always great. They went into Buffalo and didn't throw the ball more than twice and beat the Bills. Jake, that's all you got to tell me. I like Mac Jones. I don't think Bailey Zappi is a legitimate starter in the NFL. Mac Jones is over under in his passing touchdowns. I believe was 19 and a half or 18 and a half. I slammed the over right away. I do believe in him. I get it. And everyone always wants to get rid of the quarterback. And Jake went through the same thing down here with Daniel Jones. The problem is who else are you getting? You cannot get rid of the quarterback until you have a better option. Who's the better option? You, you're not going to get one of the top. It's not zappy. It's right. just it's not zappy. Right. So let's go with Mac Jones. If he doesn't play well, I mean, could we go to Malik Cunningham? I don't think so. But at least he's flashed <laughs> the preseason. But I'm fine. The My feeling I have about Mac Jones is the feeling I have with, with Daniel Jones. They are who they are. But you can win with them at quarterback. Everyone is not Patrick Mahomes. And if you continue to chase that, it's a bad move. If you have a better option, if you wanted to bring in Derek Carr, I'd be fine with that. I'm not even a big Derek Carr guy. But if you don't have a better option, then you're rolling with Mac Jones. And yes, I think he's going to have a good year. I do. Yeah, but and I think Derek Carr, correct me if I'm wrong, that's like a regression from years. Uh, like what if you're asking me, would I rather have Mac Jones or Derek Carr on the New England Patriots? I, it's Mac Jones 10 times out of 10 because mm-hmm. uh, you want a guy that it's like I, I'm excited about. I, I'm excited for him, right? He's had kind of the, the short end of the stick for the past couple of years. He's had these guys that have objectively sucked around him, whether it's the coaching, whether it's the weapons, whether it's the injuries, whatever. And now he's got a new guy that he's worked with before in Bill O'Brien. He's got 
a group of receivers that has improved. I'm not saying they're the Chiefs level, but they've improved, right? You go out and add Juju, Mike Kosicki. Uh, those are guys that can change your offense like right now. So it's interesting stuff. And then you've got Zeke Elliott too, which is. Yeah, fun. yeah. And, and I, 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 I think Ramondre is fine. His ADP is dropping. Let's take it easy. I like Zeke, but let's just take it easy with this. But I, I, I don't like I, I don't like uh, Carr. I don't like him at all. Uh, and I think Mac again. Mac Jones to me is fine. He's I get it, guys. He's not going to be 420 yards. Mac Jones, it's fine. But he I don't need think to be. He doesn't need to be, and he's better than whatever option you can come up with. He's better than Jacoby Prissett or somebody like oh, that. Will be God. A, is he better than Brian Hoyer is what most Patriots fans would counter yes, with. Of course he is. <laughs> Honestly, and uh, and this may be taboo. I don't know what your 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 listeners will think. I think he's just as good as Jimmy Garoppolo. I don't think Garoppolo's great. Yeah, probably. I, I think he's about the same right. level. So you were ready to hand the reins to Jimmy Garoppolo. What's the difference? And the kids. I would. Him. I would make the claim that Mac Jones is better than Jimmy Garoppolo. It's fine. Yeah, it's fine. He's, like at he's, this he's, point, we'll have to see how he fares up in the playoffs down the road. Jimmy won some high caliber playoff games, so I mean they could have similar careers. But I think Mac Jones' ceiling might be a little bit higher at this rate. Totally agree. And I, I really hope they just get it together with him. Um, and, and asking on behalf of Will as well, too, with the Giants, um, you know, Daniel Jones, the guy that you've mentioned, um, you know, the, he sort of he is what he is, right? Mm-hmm. You get some value for him later on in a draft, potentially. Maybe he's a streamer quarterback or, you know, hey, maybe QB1 gets hurt. You plug him in for the rest of the year. Um, how do you see the Giants offense shaping up? And, and is that a guy that's sort of worth you looking at towards the end of the draft? Well, they sure as heck looked impressive on their first drive. Uh, Daniel Jones, I think looks very good. Brian Dable is as good as Kyle Shanahan is with getting the most out of his players. Darren Waller looks to be the center part of the offense. I think Darius Slayton is one of the best late round values because he's still going to be a leading receiver there. I like this team. I like them. I, I'm not sure about their win total over under, but they're going to be competitive in every game. And Daniel Jones looked again, he's fine. This is a guy two years ago is going to be booed out of the stadium. Now all of a sudden everybody's like, oh, look at Daniel, eight and nine, touchdown on the first drive. Yes, that's what's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think the Giants are uh they're they're well oiled machine right now, and Dable totally changed them. So it's it's cool to see that. Um you know, as we talk about how certain draft approaches change too, right? I'm gonna Dynasty League, this is year three. I won year one. That's my humble brag of nice. the day. Um, yeah. The, you know, so Dynasty and PPR and Standard and Half Point PPR, Double Point, but whatever people are doing, right? I mean, does your approach change? There's got to be some slight differences. Obviously, in Dynasty, you're, you're looking more towards that younger generation. You're taking more bets on rookies and younger guys um, and maybe some unproven guys. But in general... You know, if you're going into a, a PPR or standard or fantasy draft, like how much does your strategy really change? The PPR makes a big difference. It's going to really bump up the wide receivers and it's going to bump up your high volume players. It's going to bring your slot receivers like a, a, a Sky Moore, somebody like that into play. And it's going to make me even fade running backs early even more. You know, a guy like Austin Eckler becomes extremely valuable then. But your touchdown guys just aren't going to be there, and I'm going to wait later. I'm going to try to do something that I've done in PPR and half PPR for years, which is team backfield drafting. Give me Javante Williams and Samaj P. Ryan because I can get them both late. And if they both play well, that's fine. I can figure it out as the year goes on. Give me both, if unless they trade for or, or yeah, they trade for Jonathan Taylor. Give me Raheem Mostert and Jeff Wilson down in Miami. Yeah. Why, Jake? Because I can get them late. 
You know, so in those situations, when I can get running backs who catch passes late, I'm going to wait even longer on running backs in your standard traditional leagues. You still want those guys who score touchdowns. What do you think? And also on the waiver wire too, when's too early to start hunting for guys and maybe start plugging them into guys that might be underperforming? Yeah, I, 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 you have to know which guys to wait on and which guys to let go. Keenan Allen was a guy who was last year was was really injured and banged up the whole year, but you needed to hold on to him because when he came back, he was gold. So it really is dependent. I mean, for years, people love Josh Gordon and the Josh Gordon truthers were just draft him and keep him the entire year. Uh, but uh, you have to know it's situational based. Sometimes when you see something, you can get rewarded because you have to act quickly. But when it comes with veterans, I'll give them a little more time because as Bill Parcells used to say, you always go back to what's on the back of the card. And on the back of the card is your production for years. So rookies and those guys that react a little quicker, veterans may hold on a little bit. But there is a point. I mean, you would have had a hell keen eye on for 11 weeks. I mean, that's a long time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it is. And that's that was a tough decision for a lot of people. It's like, oh, my God, is Keenan Allen or like just do we have to forget about him? Is no one ever going to draft him again yep. <laughs> or yep. is is he going to rebound? And then, of course, you know, he he finally gets it together. Um, I mean, in your eyes, what's the most common mistake that that maybe people are going to walk into these drafts and, uh, you know, they're going to do blank. They're going to screw up in this area. What do you think it'll be? You need a plan. You have to come to grips. When you do your draft, Jake, you have to tell me, are you taking a quarterback early or not? You need to understand that. Are you taking Travis Kelsey or not? Are you going to go ahead? You need to have some sort of plan. You're going to react to what goes on in the draft. But the idea you just go in there is, is crazy. You have to have an idea of ADPs. I like doing mock drafts and know where you can get players. So I'm saying right now, if anybody's in a league with me, I'm going to wait on running back and I'm going to take James Cook of Buffalo. I'm going to try to team backfield draft Denver and I'm going to try to team backfield draft Miami. My argument is one of those pairings will, will click. I think Cook's going to be a home run and I will stockpile wide receiver after wide receiver early. That is my plan. You need to have a plan like that going into what you're going to do. If you do that, you'll be successful. You don't have to have everything, but you need to have your guys, whoever that may be. And so I'm going to parlay that into the next question here. And I didn't say that because you work with a sports wagering network as well, <laughs> too. But, um, you know, I, I would say this is two-pronged advice here. What advice would you give to someone that's new to fantasy and wants to excel at it? And also... <laughs> where I feel like 90% of the people are going to be are, holy shit, I've been playing fantasy for 20 years. I can't ever win. I do it all wrong. Maybe I'll make the playoffs. Maybe I made the championship once, but I haven't really won. What do you say to those people? I'll take the last one first. If you haven't won, try a different strategy. Maybe the move is to take one of these elite quarterbacks and hope you hit the two of the three that are going to do well. You have to do mock drafts. You have to try to do them because you have to see where players are going. Study ADPs. Look for discrepancies. Of course, I'm going to say use FTN. We have great rankings and we have dis disparities in articles. So I think reading articles, watching a quick summary on a video is all helpful and stuff that you should look forward to doing. That's what I enjoy doing because when I get to my draft with my friends, which is the one we really want to win, that I want to know who's the value. I take no time on my picks because I've done so many mocks, simulations, et cetera. Yeah. And then to that new person, is it just have a plan or is it what, what else? Yeah have, a, yeah, have a plan. And if what hasn't worked in the past, then change it. You know, uh, maybe you struggle on the waiver wire. You always make the wrong moves. Then you know what? Start your draft with Stefan Diggs and, and Josh Allen or start your draft with uh, a solid running back and Nick Chubb, if you like running back and Jalen Hurts. You know, get yourself those solid players so that you minimize the decisions you have to make. And if you're someone who always 
bombs and ends up never picking up the right person, why don't you take some solid wide receivers because their range of outcomes tend to be higher and look to stream quarterback or look to stream that try something different. Um, yeah. And it, it will work. I might switch it up a little bit. Uh, we'll, we'll see what happens here. So um, finally it, your stance on these team names too. There's a lot of controversy that, you know, if you have a player in the name that's too corny, it's dumb, it's stupid, and other people are like, no, that's that's the only thing you can do. What's What does a, a Mike Randall fantasy team name look like? Oh, my God. What did I have? I'm looking it up right now. I forget. I I, <laughs> I put I just put my favorite one up there. And it's something to do with Dak Prescott, I think it was. Hold on. Oh, I, I'm going to find it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I, uh, I did Kyler Soze because my son's name is Kyler. Uh, and there was, a, we had a, a Slack channel for team names. I got to find, there were so many good ones here. Oh, you put me on oh, the man. spot. I hope I could find the, the channel, but there was a, <laughs> a great one where we did fantasy uh, team names and we had our guy, Daniel Kelly uh, wrote a, an article as well uh, on FTN fantasy. That was great, but there were some uh, great ones and, and people come up with them so quickly uh, that they just it's insane. Start- yeah, you start laughing. Let me see if I can find it while you're talking. Yeah, we had a really good one here recently that I, I loved, and he did a special on it because it, it, it's almost like you feel like you have an advantage when you start. Here it is, best fantasy football team names. Here it is. I mean, he went – it's really incredible. He went team by team. Name a team, Jake, and I'll give you a myriad. Oh, of man, any team? Any let's team. go uh, Let's go. the Vikings. Sure. We got it here. He's got them all. Less Cousins Dangerous. Chandler and Ross, CJ oh. Ham Sandwich, always a McBride's Air Jordan Addison. Give me one more, and then I'll let you go. Air Jordan Addison. How about your oh Patriots? You want your pa- Patriots here? Yeah, let's let's do the Pats. Bad Juju, Simon yeah. and Smith Schuster, Mac That's Jones. Funny. Who? Return of the <laughs> Mac. Don't worry, be zappy. Kendrick Bourne. Oh, identity. I love that. Kendrick oh, Bourne that. identity. You make me Gasecki. Devontae's Inferno and a boat on Ryland. I mean, just incredible. Wow. Devontae's Inferno is interesting. Yeah. Uh, uh, I'm going to give you one more. Let's sure. do uh, – oh, man. You pick one. You pick one. Any random uh, team. Uh, how about Seattle? No, let's do Seattle. Yeah. Uh, so many here, obviously. Sip of Charbonnet. Fine bottle of Charbonnet. Charbonnet. I'm sorry, Smith Jackson. DK, oh, my God. DKNY, Metcalf, me in Vegas, lock it up, Human Geno Project, DJ does Dallas, and Barbie. Human Geno Project? Yes. Oh, my God. DJ That's does good. Dallas and Barbie and Ken Walker. Yes. DJ does Dallas is good. Wow. Those are creative. Did this? Yeah. So did this guy just come up with all of them? Or? He, sir, he had several that he had. He did some research and he also surveyed us here at, at FTN, which was nice. Pour me some Charbonnet. Was that the first one? That's a fun one. Yeah. That's sip a Charbonnet. Ship, sip, sip a Charbonnet. Charbonnet and fine bottle of Charbonnet. You got it. Yep. I, I like that. If, some, if I somehow end up with Zach Charbonnet, first, I'll probably quit. But secondly, I'll probably <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll go with that one. I hate funny. the Seahawks. I can't do, I can't root for Zach Charbonnet. That really sucks, but so funny. Um, awesome stuff, man. Thank Excellent you so set. much for, uh, for, for popping on here. I'm, I'm personally more comfortable. Um, if our listeners and, uh, and our house enterprise fantasy league too, hopefully, uh, the 10 of us have been all listening to this to, to get some, watch everybody's going to be after James cook. I'm going to be like, damn it. Um, 
you know what, where uh, to continue the research, where can everybody find your work? How can they keep up with you? And if there's any sort of stuff that you want to promote from the FTN side, the floor is yours. FTN fantasy, FTN daily.com, FTN bets.com. And we just have a tremendous sale going on right now. The discord is hopping and you have so many options to come in and ask us questions. You can upgrade your subscription for FTN fantasy plus and daily. And we also have a flash sale right now. $269.99 for a limited time only. And you get the full year of both the optimizer and FTN fantasy. And why that is great is because why would you not want to play fantasy DFS from a, a guy who's won the Millie maker four times? I don't know why Jake. That's Beautiful. True. Man, you're, you're making this tempting for me now too. I, <laughs> I want to win some, some coin. Um, sure. Let's not wait so long next time. Let's uh, let's do some college basketball stuff together. We'll have you back on. Um, hopefully you get up to, to this area when Providence plays Georgetown, because yep. that's something now you and I have oh, a, a common yes. bond over. Oh that, uh, my gosh. That's going to be a great game. Very, this is a very anti-Georgetown podcast. I'm very. sure. I'm sure. Yes. Very good. <laughs> Bill will share the same uh, hatred for the Georgetown Hoyas that we do. So, you know, love Ed Cooley. Great guy. Yeah. Hope he goes 0-20. Uh, I could understand. I totally understand. Not surprised. Um, we appreciate you a bunch, Mike. Thanks so much. And uh, we will we will certainly not wait as long for the next time. You got it, sir. No problem at all. Thanks. And that was just Mike Randall. Uh, great interview, great conversation. And we are a little bit more educated for fantasy drafts that are coming up. Uh, anyone who drafts in early August is a fool. So, you know, wait, <laughs> wait till the very end as possible. I mean, there was one thing that uh, I found interesting was Kevin Stefanski just put out a rule: if people, if players fight um, in the pre in practice and preseason, if you're a starter, you have to play in the preseason game, and if you're a bench guy trying to earn a spot, you don't get to play. And I'm like, that kind of just like hurts your team as a whole. But like, yeah. I guess like we don't need another Geno Smith incident where a guy throws a haymaker and he breaks his jaw, but. Uh, hope you're ready for, you know, the drafts coming up. We'll be posting our draft content and all of our football content in the very, very, very soon. Um, get ready for some more DraftKings promos with the code BBB bonus bets for college football, NFL, you name it. We're excited to launch that, but you know, quick show, easy show. And we'll be back with you next week. Hell yeah. Let's wrap this up. Uh, that was episode 139. So long, everybody. Take it easy. Thanks for listening. Remember to hit the follow button on Spotify and leave us a review on Apple Podcast. Join the conversation on Twitter and Instagram and check out house-enterprise.com for all of our content. There's also no better way to end this podcast than a note from our partners over at Manscaped. What guy or girl wouldn't want the right tools for the job? Head over to manscaped.com house or use the code house at checkout for 20% off and free shipping on your orders. See you next time. And remember, the house always wins.